0: What is going on, team? Welcome to another episode of the Thrive Forever Fit Show. I'm your host, Jay Nixon, and as always, just in case you're a first-time listener, the purpose of this show is about disruption, inspiration, and transformation, and today's show fits the bill on all of those. My guest today is Bradley Roth. We are gonna talk about overcoming adversities. We're gonna talk about wealth. We're gonna talk about success. We're going to talk about legacy. We're going to talk about living your big vision life. Today's episode is going to be a game changer for you if you're anywhere in the realm of being ready to evolve into that next version of yourself. If you feel stuck, if you feel overwhelmed, if you feel challenged, our conversation today is going to help transform you. It's going to inspire you to actually take the knowledge and the resources that we're gonna give you today and use them to transform into that version of yourself that you deserve and desire to be, that version of yourself that can do all the things that you were put here on this earth to do. All right, guys, get ready to be disrupted. Bradley and I are gonna bring the heat, here we go. Bradley, Roth, thanks for joining the show, brother. How you doing?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome, man, dude. I'm excited about this call. I got some notes for you. Done a little research on you, and I think this is gonna be this is gonna be super cool. I want to start off with just I want to get right to it. If you don't care, sure. You've got a podcast called Not Most People, and I love the name. I'm intrigued by the idea because I consider myself to be odd. I consider myself <laughs> to be not like most people. Um, so I want to dive into that a little bit. What it, concept, meaning, like why the name of that podcast and tell me a little bit about it.
1: Yeah. So the actual concept came to me probably two years ago, just like the actual, not most people words popped into my head, but it was something that was kind of a long time coming because growing up, I was kind of the person who I was, I was ultra logical always. And I grew up in a very conservative kind of protective environment. I was homeschooled when I was younger. And then I went to private school and I always kind of wondered like, why are, why are these the rules? You know, I always wanted to go to like public school with my friends that I played sports with and stuff, but I was like, I was homeschooled. I was at private school and there were all these kind of like rules and the way things were done that I was like, why, why is that like that? And, you know, a lot of times the answer was just because I say so, you know, or authority, authority figure kind of says so. So I was never openly rebellious or anything like that.
0: I was going to ask, did you push boundaries or no?
1: Not really. Okay. Um, You know, I kind of, I think to avoid, like when I was homeschooled again, through seventh grade, I was homeschooled and to avoid confrontation with my mom, I kind of like was passive. I kind of internalized a lot of it um, and that sort of thing. So growing up, that's just kind of how I was. I, I had all these questions, but I didn't like openly question my teachers or anything like that. So you've been uh,
0: boxing. You've been boxing this up, man. You got you put a little <laughs> box in there that's ready to blow.
1: <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, uh, for a while that was definitely the case, and it was it was kind of unconscious. I wasn't consciously doing these things. It, yeah. it wasn't until kind of the last couple or few years that I kind of figured out what I was doing or how I was thinking then, by reflecting back. But I kind of became that person who just naturally questioned things. Like I never took things at face value. I was always kind of like, okay, does this check out? you know, does the logic make sense? That sort of thing. And after college, I was in the fitness industry for a while, and that was kind of my thing. And I thought that was gonna be my thing forever. But then I started to develop other interests. I started to read books, I started to get into personal development, entrepreneurship, business, stuff like that. So I started reading books and uh, following people who have done big things, right? Like Andy, Ed, Arte, people like that, Tony Robbins, Uh, rich dad poor dad I I read way back I was probably one of the first ones yeah and as I'm reading and taking in all this information materials I noticed that a lot of what these successful people said was very different or in many cases the opposite of what I had been told by my friends and society growing up very anti-mainstream so that made me say like okay like I think the key to success is not doing or following or believing what the majority of people do and what society kind of preaches. Yeah. So that was kind of the, how the concept came about slowly. And then the the idea, like I said, a couple of years ago popped into my head, but it wasn't really fully formed yet. And I didn't really do anything with it. I was like, well, I want to do something with it, but I knew Instagram. I did in, like, I'd built up some Instagram pages. And so I started posting on Instagram. I had, not most people started to grow a little bit, but then I realized that Instagram is so like, I was writing these long captions and no one's yeah. reading them because Instagram's so still like surface level. People just want to scroll and kind of, they want to
0: see you in booty shorts is what they want to see.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that, <laughs> but uh, yeah, not, not really the long form content. So then I was like, oh, well I'll, I'll jump on YouTube, but cause I, you know, I was like, YouTube's cool, right. but I hated being on video. I hated hmm. uh, seeing myself on video. Like I was like, oh man, I, I'm not high energy enough. I hated more than anything hearing my voice played back to me. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I'm sure you know how that is a little oh, bit, yeah. but I was like, oh, it's so nasally and monotone. And that kept me from moving forward with anything for like two years. And then I said, I was going to blog. Cause I was like, I like to write so I can blog. I can hide behind the keyboard, you know, yeah. and not do that. And then, uh, eventually I joined Arte and I had started listening to podcasts. I had listened to Andy's podcast a lot, the MF CEO project. over the last few years. And it wasn't until I joined Arte though, and saw that all these people who weren't like, you know, these big time influencers or celebrities had their own podcasts. And so it kind of normalized it for me and got me, got me thinking a little bit. And then a couple people in Arte had me on their podcasts as a guest. And the first one I went on was kind of like, eh, it was like 20 minutes long. It was, it was kind of marketing specific. It went like, okay, but I got off and I was like, I don't know. I was also kind of nervous because it was the first one. Right. And and then I got put on another one uh, a little bit later. This was back probably like last November. And that one was more about kind of like what we're talking about, just kind of more general life and, you know, success, entrepreneurship, all that kind of stuff. And that one, I kind of hit flow, I think. And like an hour later, we're still rolling and got off. And I was like, okay, wow, that was a lot of fun. I think I'm going to start this. And that was kind of like the moment where I was like, okay, this is going to be a podcast and so the last four or five months of uh since then here we are now
0: yeah i love that i want to touch on a couple of things so first and mm-hmm. foremost you realize like that thought process that that you have like the whole not most people that's i mean that is that's a that's a push against all society right now right because yeah we're they society wants us to fit in a box right like most people that are running society want us to, they want you to stand in line. They want you to sit at your desk. They want you to raise your hand. They yes. don't, you know, do it. Can I go to the restroom? Here's a hall pass, right? Like everything is, is structured that way. And so for you to feel this way, you know, it, it is not like most people. So there's something David Goggins always says. He wants to be uncommon amongst the uncommon, mm. right? And that's something I always think about is like, you know, the weirder you are and the more uncommon you can be amongst even the uncommon, like that's what's going to differentiate you and separate you, but I love the fact that even though you felt this way, you thought that way, you still had resistance, right? There was still oh, a resistance yeah. in you because I think a lot of that resistance too is taught, is it, It's ingrained into us, right? Sure. Like you you got homeschooled, and so in in lieu of questioning the rules, you just all right, shit, I'll okay, I'll, I'll just push do this I'll, down. I'll just do a, yeah. it. I'll just do it. Uh-huh a lot of people live their entire lives just following that logic. And so the fact that you, you had that resistance, like, oh my gosh, like I don't like my voice. I sound nasally. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. So I love the fact that you eventually overcame that, but I want to talk about that struggle because Mm. you've obviously got a message to talk about, but what did it feel like? Why, Why did you continue to allow yourself to be boxed in until you hit that? And I think there's always that moment where you hit it and you're like, Okay, enough's enough. But yeah, you know, have you ever read Stephen Pressfield's book, like The Art of War? Uh
1: yeah, or, or the uh The War of Art. Yeah, The War of yeah. Art. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. The War
0: of Art. So um who wrote The Art of War? That's some so, anyway. Another book. Sun
1: Tzu or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Sun
0: Tzu, which yeah. is also a good book if you're a it reader. Is. Um, yeah. but he talks about just ship it, right? He talks about like that imposter syndrome, and I think mm. we all struggle with that at some point. And everybody listening to this is either struggling with that currently or has struggled with it in the past. So what was it about that? You said flow state, which I love that Mm -hmm. word. What was it about that that triggered you to say, okay, I'm just going to freaking do this.
1: You know, it's interesting. I think it wasn't really that, that one moment that was like, oh, I went from all these kind of like repressed emotions or holding back to all of a sudden, like I'm going for it. That was kind of the tipping point of a multitude of kind of points to get there. So like, Again, growing up, it wasn't anything that was conscious of that I was doing, right? Because when you're like a kid, a teenager, you don't understand that stuff on that level to be like, okay, like here's the emotion and here's how I'm dealing with it and all that stuff. So it wasn't until later on, I started to kind of dig in and uh, figure out about myself that like, and and it's funny actually, because uh, most people I'm very even keel, I'm very kind of consistent energy. I they never see me too high, too low, too angry, too sad, right? And so cuz I kind of learned to you know, not feel certain emotions or kind of push them down. Yeah. And when I got to college and I started drinking, people like <laughs> a whole new person would come out and people were sure. like who is this? I was like off the walls, I'm hyper, I'm talking to everyone, I don't oh. shut up. And I I kind of started to think that like, huh, maybe that's a little bit more of like who I really am coming out once, once that, I mean, I know it's not like a a healthy habit, but alcohol kind of taking that wall down a little bit. Right. And so I was like, I think there's something more in there kind of hiding. Um, And that's why I probably drank a little more than I should have in college. Like we, like most of us do was to kind of bring out that, like, you know, that Jekyll and Hyde that I had in there that wanted to come out and, and then after college, I'm training at the gym and getting into the stuff. And I was still very kind of like held back. I was still afraid to put myself out there. And then I went to a Tony Robbins event back in
0: 2018
1: okay. with uh, my fiance, girlfriend at the time. And um, she thought I was crazy at first. I read his book, and that kind of like gave me a bunch of light bulb moments. Yeah. And I was like, I think I want to maybe check out these events. And she's like, I don't know. That sounds like a cult, you know? And I was like, yeah, maybe. But we watched this Netflix documentary and she's like, okay, maybe, you know, I kind of get it. And then she got me tickets for Christmas and we went together. Yeah, it was really cool. Like his, you know, his main UPW is four day event. You know, you fill the stadium, like 12,000 people and we get there and like, everyone's like, woo, like high fiving us. And we're like, oh gosh, like, what do we, what do we get ourselves (laughs) into? yeah. She's like, I'm getting back on the plane. And I was like, just open mind. Let's stick it out for a day. And you know, the first day they really break you out of your shell, you yeah. know, you, he comes out, he has, you do all these goofy things with other people.
0: Yeah,
1: And so, and then like, it's a little bit more each day. And then by like day three, you're like totally broken out. And that was the first time I feel like I kind of really was able to let my full emotions out and release in a big way. And, uh, that kind of really Jump started my personal development journey and kind of working towards that stuff. So that was like a big turning point too. And then, um, that kind of three-year period between that and this podcast that I went on was, was kind of like, I think building up a slow building up and kind of figuring myself out and, and giving yeah. myself the tools that so I, I think back then a few years ago, I wasn't ready to do any of this stuff. No. I hadn't built the skills or the, yeah. you know, I would have been able to talk about anything really coherently you know you you could
0: have probably went to upw three or four years before that and not Mm. have you wouldn't have had the same experience right you would have been you would have been in a different place in a different space and you wouldn't have you wouldn't have transitioned that into like this epiphanal moment you mentioned that like you were in you you kind of got into fitness as well and i'm i Mm. mean i i think fit i'm addicted to fitness um it's kind of how what i use fitness and nutrition to get people into my world And Mm -hmm. then when I get into my my world, then I start talking about personal development. Then I start talking about mindset, right? I start using everything, but everybody wants to be fit. Most people want to lose weight or gain weight or gain muscle. So if you guys are listening, don't tell anybody, but that's, (laughs) I use that to get people to Mm -hmm. listen to me. And then when you start listening to me, like, I don't even talk about fitness and nutrition. I talk about mindset. I talk about psychology. I talk about why you do what you do when you do it and how, if you don't like that, you need to do this instead. So I love the fitness game, and you were a coach for five years. Like I was. Yep. What did that? How did that help you and or position you to? Because there's a lot of I think I feel like fitness kind of breeds a little bit of confidence as well. Mm. So did yeah. you have it? Did you have any feelings toward that as well? Or why did you even get into fitness and to begin with?
1: Yeah, that last part that you touched on is is huge—the confidence part. So like growing up, uh, that was my identity. I was an athlete. You know, I was an above average athlete. I'd like to think and. I played basketball and mostly growing up, but I was, I was very short. I was like, (laughs) I was like five, two going into high school. So my, uh, professional career, I guess didn't last too long, but then I got into track and high jump and did real well and that stuff. And so I got into lifting in conjunction with that. And again, it was just like fitness and sports was my whole identity growing up. That's what I did. And I got to college and it was kind of like, I wasn't really going to college for a specific purpose. I was going to college because that's what you do. Right. You're supposed to, right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I get to college and I went to UConn, which is a pretty big school. They had a lot of different majors, but I'm looking through the list. I'm like, man, I don't want to do any of this stuff. Uh-huh. I don't have like no interest. Cause I was like, I had no real other interests outside of sports and working out at the time. I was kind of a one-dimensional person at that time. So I, I saw they had a kinesiology program. They had like exercise science, strength, conditioning. And I'm like, well, I, you know, I like to work out a lot. I'll do that. And so that's what I did. And. I got out of school and I went into CrossFit and it's, I mean, my, the kinesiology program at UConn was like number one or number two in the country. Like it was very high rated. They had, uh, for my major, our advisor, his name was Dr. Uh, Kramer. And he had, he was like the direct strength conditioning coach for like the 96 Dream team. And he called oh, wow. Tom, Tom Brady all the time. Like, you know, he, he was like
0: a real at, deal. The top, yeah. at the
1: top of that world. Yeah. And I create, I had this huge, desire to do CrossFit. Like I caught the CrossFit bug big yeah. time. This was like 10 years ago when it was still very like underground. Right. And, but I fell in love with it. And I told him like, that's what I wanted to do. And he's like, he hated CrossFit with a passion. Cause it was like, it flipped everything, like all the traditional yeah. stuff that he taught on his head. Right. And you know, he's like, I don't know if you're going to make it. He's like, I'm, I'm really disappointed. He's like, I don't know where you went wrong. He's saying like all this like terrible stuff. And I was like, man, I'm like, this guy's like, a hundred pounds overweight. And he's trying to tell me like that CrossFit is like bad for you and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, I I graduated.
0: I now hold on pause (laughs) there, pause right there because you, you had been indoctrinated based on being homeschooled, stand in line, do everything. How did that feel? Because that, that had to be like, if you were excited about that and then a guy you looked up to that has like, you know, if we're just talking about on paper credentials out the wazoo, basically just Mm. looked you in the face and said, nah yeah and you're like what like how did? what did that do to you brother like did you did you did you withdraw or did you say (laughs) f that like i'm gonna i'm gonna show you like what'd you do
1: i think a little bit of both i think a lot of times when you get kind of uh hit by something like that punched in the face yeah for a little bit you kind of you know you absorb the impact it hurts and then you regroup you regather and you say know, screw that. I'm going to do Good. what I'm going to do.
0: Good for you. And,
1: uh, yeah, I got out and then I ended up getting a job at, uh, the gym right by my house. It was a great CrossFit gym. They're still in business and they did things the right way. You know, like CrossFit's a very mixed bag. I tell people right. like CrossFit at this gym and CrossFit at this gym, totally, totally different. different. It's not a franchise. And so you got to be careful, but, um, you guys were doing things right. And they're right by my house. So I'm like, man, I got to work there after I graduate. I'm going to live at home and, and do that. And so I harassed the owner, uh, owners for, you know, when I, my senior year, I'd go, every time I go home, I'd go in there and work out and I'd, I'd say, oh, you know, can I get an internship? Can I get a job? You know, whatever. And I was super persistent and they, uh, they gave me an internship and they were like, yeah, you're, we know, you know, your stuff. We like that you have the degree and you're very enthusiastic and really in the crossfit stuff, they're like, can you, can you coach a class? And so I, um, I, I, at that time, public speaking was my biggest fear in the world, Sure. bar none. I'd never done it when I was homeschooled through high school and whatever. I, I struggled big time. Uh, I took it in college and they gave me a C, I think to be nice. You know, I was just like, I'd get up there and, <laughs> and I'd be like quiet and I'd start shaking and sweating. Right. But, and I knew I was going to have to get over that if I was going to coach CrossFit classes, cause yeah. it's a class setting, but you know, he took me in and put me in front of the class. And a lot of people like a year or two later were like, man, we didn't think you were going to make it as a coach because of how like quiet and nervous I was. Right. But, uh, eventually, yeah, ended up kind of getting past that over time, which I think if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't be podcasting today. Right. Totally. And, Absolutely. uh, but that, yeah, that was an awesome experience. That was my life for years. I thought that was going to be my career. Um, but that it's funny, like CrossFit's notorious, or like smaller gyms are notorious for high turnover rate with trainers and stuff. And this one, when I, after five years, when I left, I was still the newest person on staff. Like nobody left ever, which was crazy.
0: Yeah. And
1: so that opportunity never really opened up for me to take on a lot more classes or be- make it become more of a full-time thing. So at uh-huh. the end, at the end of the day, though, it's kind of a blessing because that forced me to look at other things if, for, to make money. So I got into network marketing for a little bit. I, I did real estate for two years, hated that. Um, and then I kind of found like social media marketing and that kind of like, you know, really got me into my entrepreneurial stuff, but yeah, fitness was, uh, a huge part of my life. It still is. I still find myself coming back to CrossFit, even if I, like I took a year off during the pandemic and I still, uh, rejoined like a month ago. Cause I just, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The competition, you need a competitive outlet. Yeah. Um, especially like all these former athletes. Um, I don't know what, what your background was sports wise, but You see a lot of former athletes who that was like their life, their identity. The extreme example is like you take a a pro athlete and they have a long career and they retire and then they don't know what to do with themselves. But totally. But the average person who played high school or college sports, you know, that ends in your twenties, and then you have this competitive drive. And you know, you can kind of find it in business, but like a lot of times people drown that uh that drive like in unhealthy ways. Absolutely. Yeah. which I'm it, sure you see. Same, yeah. same thing
0: happened to me. I mean, I played all sports in high school, um, football in college. Hmm. And then when I stopped playing, like I, it was like, you really lose, you know, your identity. And for yeah, me, you it find was yourself. Like, oh yeah. I mean, I, I did kind of the same thing. I poured myself into, um, into working out and weightlifting and like, you know, the whole nine yards. So I think you need, like you said, you need those competitive outlets to, to keep, you know, fuel in that fire. And I believe that, that has been one of the keys to my success in business as well. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like if you, once you learn like to take yourself to different levels physically, like you can get, you can take yourself to different places mentally. You know what I mean? Like you can go, you can do, you know, you can do things that you wouldn't have done before. You know, you work harder, um, enthusiasm, the whole energy levels. If you can couple those two things, I think that's, that's paramount. That's kind of why I ask you the question because, you know uh, that transition from that to to where you are today So like this entrepreneurial journey, mm. um, you've got to be strong mentally, physically, um, emotionally. You know all these different things because it's a it can be a lonely, isolatory place. And sometimes when you're in the gym working out, it's a lonely, isolatory place, right? And what are you going to do? What are you going to do when nobody's watching? Are you going to pick the weight up, or are you just going to go back? You're going to get back in the car and go home. So you got to make those same decisions in the business world. Um, So I think that's probably been a transition place for you. That's probably helped you tremendously. What would you, I mean, do you agree with that?
1: Uh, For sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a whole different ball game for sure. Like the sports and athletics kind of came natural to me more so than the business stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it was like going and playing a sport that like I sucked at to start right because I had no background. I kind of just dove in. I had no savings, no prior experience, nothing. I just like dove off the deep end, which in hindsight, maybe wasn't the best idea, but you know, it, it happened. So,
0: um,
1: but yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of lessons and a lot of skills that you can take from that. And then going back to, because going back to what you said before, how like fitness is kind of like how you get people in the door, but then you kind of go with personal development. It's, Uh I think the biggest myth out there is that fitness is a physical thing and health is a physical thing, right? They think, oh, it's about doing this exercise and this weight. And eating this food and it's like, well, you know, that's, you need that stuff, but that's not the foundation. It's all mental. Is your body going to go and like do a workout if your mind's not going to tell it to, right. Or are you going to stick to your habits if you don't have the mental discipline? The answer is no. And so I think people, they look for the physical answer and they skip over all the foundational mental personal development stuff. And that's why you see so many people who are like, I don't know why I can't get shape. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it's, Yeah. Yeah. I wrote,
0: I wrote my first book for this very reason. Like I was helping people lose hundreds of pounds, but they wouldn't keep it off. And I'm like, Mm. what is going on? Like, but I was all mechanical, right? Like eat this, do this workout, blah, 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 blah. And the first book I wrote is called the overweight mind. So it wasn't that their body was overweight. I mean, it is physically, but it was their overweight mind is what had them stuck is what kept the weight coming back is what kept them from getting fit in the first place. So the entire first book, like you would think it's like a, eat this, don't eat that, do this workout. I don't talk about nutrition. I don't talk about fitness. I talk about the pure psychological reasons of why you're overweight, Mm -hmm. why you're stuck and the things you need to change so you can get out of that. And that is, that changed my business, changed my business model, changed everything about what I do, because that's the whole reason now, what I, like I said, I use fitness and nutrition just to get you to talk to me. But then once you talk to me, I'm going to convince you that that's not the problem. Like that's not even remotely (laughs) the problem. That's the easy stuff. If that was it, like we're going to be okay. But it's, right. that, it's that I used to think it was 80% psychology, 20% mechanics. I've even shifted to 90, 10. I think it's 90% psychology, 10% mechanics, which leads me to the next question. Mm-hmm. Not most people, right? I love the concept. I love the, the wording. I love the belief behind that what is it about that? Like, what is it about that? What do you want to do with that? Right. Cause it's a great, it's a great podcast, right? I mean, I love the idea. I love that bringing people on and like, Hey, let's talk about like how to be uncommon, how to be do things differently, but what's the next level of that? Like, right. Is there an, is there a position that you want to put yourself into to get to there?
1: For sure. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. And that's something that right now, as I'm still kind of in the early stages is I'm thinking about a lot.
0: I love that. And,
1: um, I think the biggest thing that I've realized is that I want to build like kind of like Arte or I don't know if you know, like Tony Watley, what he does with 365 yeah. driven, right. They, they have a community. And Arate is great because we find these like-minded people that are hard to find otherwise. And so what I want to do is kind of create a similar thing with not most people at first, I was like, Oh, you know, I'm just going to blog. I'm going to write books I'm, and people are going to like, listen to me and fall and Gain stuff from it, but I'm like, that's only half of the equation. The other half is creating a community and a place for all these like-minded people who are like, yeah, not most people that really resonates with me, but like, I don't know anyone else who thinks that way all Right. and give them a place to connect and be like, okay, you're not alone. There are other people out there who are kind of totally different than all their friends or family or want different things. And, you know, know yep. that you're again, being, uh, being strange or being the odd one is, you're, you're not the only one.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I talk about this all the time, like I'm obsessed and I just, I mean, I didn't just realize this, but I just did a whole training. So I've kind of got a group very similar to some of those you talked Hmm. about. It's called the thrive forever fit program. And it's the people that, that it's like the community of people who want more than, than the average person out there. Like that's what I'm consistently talking about. But I realize that all I talk about with my friends, with, Um, Lori with everybody is I just talk about success. Like I'm obsessed with success Mm -hmm. and most people aren't like that. You know what I mean? So when you can find people that are obsessed with success and that want more of that, like, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, your obsessions become your possessions. Like we've all heard that. Right. And so what you obsess about is what you're going to get more of. So with that said, like, what are, what are you obsessed about? Like what conversation, like what kind of conversations are you having with your fiance, with your friends, with like the people that are closest to you.
1: That's a good one actually with my, uh, with my fiance. I mean, I've done a pretty good job. I think we talk about, this is like a really recurring theme in the podcast is your associations, right? Who you interact with, right. It's huge. And that's something that I've kind of been doing filtering like over the, the last few years to the point where now I'm like, i rarely am surrounded by anyone who, kind of has that most people mentality. Like almost everyone I interact with on a daily basis is like-minded for the most part, which makes a huge difference. But my fiance, she's a nurse. So she works in the ER, she works, you know, a nursing's kind of a more traditional career, right? And she doesn't really she kind of wants out of it, but all her friends they are like, "Oh, you're not like what do you mean you you don't want to be a nurse forever? What do you mean you don't want to like go back to uh, nurse practitioner school and like, do that. What do you mean you don't want to like, just live for the weekends. And so she's surrounded by that kind of like most people mentality. Mm -hmm. And then like, I'm over here doing my thing. And so it's something we've been talking about a lot lately. And she's trying to like, you know, on her days off, do personal development and kind of like work towards other future things. But she's always kind of like, then she's around her and her friends. So they're all great people. Like we still hang out with them and there's a time and a place for it. Right. But like, yeah. It's finding those other people and, and putting that other stuff into your mind. So it's, it's this for her, it's, it's a good example. Cause it's like this tug of war. And I think a lot of people experience that whether it's their friends, their family, whatever, yeah. we're like, what do you mean? You want to leave this, you know, as a nurse, that's a great mm-hmm. career. What are you thinking? And- let her
0: know yeah. she's not alone. I have, a, mm-hmm. I have several nurses, um, a couple of anesthesiologists, doctors that are in my program that feel the exact same mm-hmm. way she does. Mm-hmm. So let her know that even in that field, um, it is, and, and they all say the same thing. They're like, oh my gosh, Jay, it's so negative. It's so yeah. draining. It's so, you know what I mean? Like nobody's yeah. happy. Everybody's- she can't
1: speak her mind about anything or oh, COVID or whatever. No, yeah.
0: everybody's tired. Everybody's this, everybody's that. Mm-hmm. So they, they feel the same way and just let her know that, it might be my suggestion would be to get her to try to find a safe place outside of that, where, mm. you know, if she's, if she's already doing it kind of reading and doing all those things, get her to find a place that's safe for her to go and and, and start her own like personal development kind of journey type thing. Cause I mean, she probably needs that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Maybe yeah. we'll have her check out your group.
0: Yeah. To help her. Yeah. Now she, um you guys, you guys started out, you, you told me this a little bit about, um, a little bit about so she's a traveling nurse so you guys actually went from Connecticut to South Carolina to now ending up in Scottsdale which which presents its own set of unique I'd say opportunities and I think all ch- I think all challenges are opportunities mm-hmm. but so you know you're not really I always I always caution people like you talked about about the people you surround yourself with like if you're in your hometown right like I call them your, your barstool buddies <laughs> yeah like the guys who are never leave in that town but you know what I mean? They're never yeah. going to do anything other than sit on that same bar stool and tell the same stories. So you kind of got lucky in a way where she's like, "Hey, bro, we got to go." And so you guys are like, you know, <laughs> go South Carolina, Scottsdale, where you really don't know anybody. So you're kind of given the opportunity to kind of develop your own new circle. Which is, which how's that been for you? Because it is weird moving to a new town and like how have you kind of plugged yourself into the the local community there? Is it through the Arte Group?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, that's there's a lot of answers to that question. It started. Uh, she's not a travel nurse anymore because we've been here for a couple of years now. But that was the plan. So we were like, I was getting out of real estate. I kind of had a deal go south that left a bad taste in my mouth and um was ready to kind of like put that behind me. I was starting to get into I'd start, I was starting to do my business and I was still working at the gym and I found that like you know, all these people were talking behind my back who I thought were my good friends, mm-hmm. you know, to her, because I was going out and I was doing something different. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of like, I had the travel bug. That was probably the number one thing that made me want to do this, you know, move all over. And I had chosen kind of a business to get into that allowed me to do that, that location freedom. And that was kind of like the tipping point when I heard that all these people was like, uh, you know, I expected them to be my biggest fans and they, uh-huh they were talking behind my back, even to her. Like, what are you doing with him? Like, you know, all like she's like, you think I don't like tell him this, you know, <laughs> this right. stuff? I'm not just... going to
0: keep this between us.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, so, you know, so that kind of, uh, that hurt a little bit. Right. And then, yeah. uh, we were like, we want to see the country. Like we love to travel. And so we, we head off to South Carolina. We spent three months there. It was great. We like, you know, that Southern hospitality that you grew up with, we experienced yeah. that it's for real. And then, we liked that, but then it was uh January of 2019, so about just over two years ago now. And spot opened up at the Mayo Clinic out in, in Phoenix. And we were like, oh, you know, we'd never been out there, we've never been to Phoenix, but we were like, oh, it looks pretty nice. And it's they say it's like 70 in January. Like,
0: yeah, that
1: sounds better than freezing our butts off back home. So yeah. we uh hopped, we did a cross country road trip. We made like a week out of it, it was really cool. we uh, we ended up out here. I remember we drove in, we'd never been here before and saw that it's not just like the Sahara desert out here. Like people right. think it is. Yeah, It was like palm trees and mountains and like no it's bugs. Gorgeous. or human. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it's amazing. And so we were like, okay, well, we're going to do our three months here. And then we're going to, because we were like, we're going to go all these places over the course of a couple of years. So we spent three months. We're like, well, you know, there's still a lot more to see and do here that we haven't done yet. Let's make it six months. Six months rolls around. We say that at nine months. And then by nine months, we had friends yeah. and we were like, let's just stay here for a while. And so <laughs> we've been here since, but it's really cool being able to, yeah, kind of have that fresh start. And it's not like, and this is one of those things that when associations come up what, all the time in the podcast. I think the average person thinks that it means they have to just like sever ties and like say, Oh, sorry, dude, like I can't talk to you anymore. You're like, you're not successful enough. And like, that's not it at all. Like I didn't burn any real bridges over time. It's just, you kind of, you know, you distance a little more and then you draw yourself more to other people. So coming out here, I, yeah, like I didn't know anyone. So I, uh, I was working at home. So I just start going to random like networking events and stuff yeah. like that and meeting some people there and kind of like slowly working my way into the entrepreneurial kind of sphere. Um, and then I joined Arte last year and that's when it really things really started to take off in terms of my circle and and community. And I'm trying to like think, I'm like, man, who did I talk to priority, yeah. you know, like,
0: well, it's funny, here, like you, yeah. you hit the nail on the head. I think people, when I talk about, I talk about circle of success a lot. Right. And mm. that's the people you surround yourself with. And everybody thinks like, well, oh my gosh, well, I don't want to break up with so-and-so like, right. no, I'm like, it's, it's not a breakup. Nobody has to get a letter in the mail. Like there's no dear John letters. Like I can't <laughs> hang out with you anymore. Like you're not successful. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't like it when you say, you know what I mean? Like, that's not what mm. we're talking about. I mean you hit the nail on the head it's just like it's that it's that natural energy that will will just create the distance between you whenever you start living your you know your authentic life of alignment and you back to what those people were doing back at home right the people at the gym were talking about you it had nothing to do with you it was the fact mm-hmm. that you were expanding and evolving and that simply just made them uncomfortable and when yeah. people get uncomfortable our normal human nature is to Well, that makes me feel uncomfortable. So I'm going to have to just talk shit about something, right? And so Mm -hmm. they can't just, they can't see that deficit that they're feeling inside themselves. So they have to push that back. So anybody who's listening, who's experiencing that first and foremost, understand that it really has nothing to do with you. You're doing the right thing. All you've done is you've uncovered an insecurity inside of them that they're not, they're not, they can't fathom it and they can't understand how to work through it. And so the natural reaction is to try to bring you back down. Or to try to, in your case, try to bring your girlfriend slash fiance back down to create that rift between you guys. Mm -hmm. Human beings, for some reason, like we love to create conflict. (laughs) It's almost, it's like it's ingrained in our DNA. And the further you can move away from that, the better your life and everybody's life around you is going to be. I think what you, everything you said is so, so bright in alignment with, with the next question that I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to ask it anyway.
1: Can I add one more thing about that? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, a great episode that kind of talks about that topic, uh, on real AF that Andy talks about, it's called Mm -hmm. crabs in a bucket. Oh, absolutely. How kind of like one crab will try and crawl out of the bucket and all all the other ones are like, what are you doing? Like going that way, come back and they'll pull them down.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So that's, that's a little expansion on that. But then on the flip side of like distancing yourself from negative things, a lot of people are like, okay, that's cool. But like, where do I find like-minded people? because I know for me, when I moved out here, when I was working at the gym, I was like, I don't know where to find people who think like me or, you know, that sort of thing, or mm-hmm. how do I find my new tribe? And I would say you just, you gotta, I mean, the, the simple answer is you gotta start looking like today. Yeah. It's easier than ever. There's Facebook groups. Um, you don't, and it, it's not just people too. your associations, finding new associations. You could start reading new books. You could start taking mm-hmm. courses. You can start listening to podcasts. Those are all ways that you can kind of associate with success without it being directly people. And then if you put yourself out there, there's meetup groups, Facebook groups, again, all these online communities, Arte is a great one example. You can find those things now more than ever. So if you're afraid and you're like, I don't know where to start, just start somewhere. You'll find it.
0: And I'm going to add an interesting element to that. That's going to be a little bit paradoxical. Mm -hmm. Get comfortable with yourself. Yes. I think a lot of times we're uncomfortable with ourselves and maybe our new involvement that we are consistently wanting to interject someone else into that because it brings about like this because we're we're not great at being alone and so we're not meant to be alone either so don't get don't think that i'm telling you to be a lone wolf and like do everything (laughs) on your own but what i'm saying is like learn to appreciate love like and be okay with who you are and yourself spend a little time with yourself maybe even asking yourself the same questions you'd ask these new people. Like, what is it about this that I really like? Like, what is it about this new journey? Like, who am I? Like, these are all questions that you need to be able to answer for yourself before you interject yourself into this new group and start asking other people this. Because if you don't even really aren't comfortable with who you are and know who you are, then you're just going to continue to take on other people's personalities as your own. And if you can go into that with your strong beliefs, it'll just make you a better version of yourself which then you'll be a more vital member of that new group that you put yourself into so that's just a little other small piece but I love what you said about reading books listening to podcasts doing all those things and that that goes right along with like you know just your own self-belief like what who you are what you mean so that I mean that's a beautiful transition like you said I'm glad you added that about the crabs in the bucket and all those other things so we talk about yeah. success a lot. And I, I always like to ask people this because I think everyone's version is different. So if I just said, what does success mean to you? Like, what's the, mm. what's your definition of it? What does it feel like, look like, taste like? What is it?
1: You know, I got asked this on another podcast recently and it took me a second to answer. Uh, but for me, it's freedom or autonomy. So for me, freedom, again, because of my upbringing and, you know, being homeschooled and feeling like I was kind of held back from doing certain things, I always crave freedom and that's grown and grown. So for me, it's freedom. And that doesn't just mean like, you know, USA, like July 4th freedom, right? It's time, freedom, location, freedom, financial freedom, basically the ability to do what you want, when you want, where you want with whoever you want and if you were to sum that all into one word, it's autonomy, right. And people want to be autonomous. Most people at some level, but a lot of times they get kind of sucked into the, the group and wanting to be accepted. And that pulls away from their ability to be autonomous. So again, it's a very like, again, not most people concept autonomy. Um, Because I think, I mean, think about like through most of human history, most people had a lot of autonomy. You live in this little group, you wake up, you know, you don't have bills or, or like debt, or you don't have to punch a clock. It's like, you wake up, you do what you got to, sur- to survive. You uh, relax for the rest. And then you don't, you know, maybe they had anxiety and depression and ADD and all this stuff back in the day, but I would guarantee it's a whole lot less without kind of modern, uh, things in our life. So yeah. for me, it's autonomy and being able to almost, you know, kind of have modern life and all the things that it offers, but live a life kind of like, people did way back when where, you know, there's way less obligations way less busyness and stress and all that, all those kind of modern things that uh, have been brought about.
0: I like it. Well, okay. Next question. And that leads me to perfect <laughs> transition. Um, what are you doing to create that for yourself right now? Like what do you, myself? Are you, yeah. Like, are you, is there, is there, do you have a routine? Do you have steps or you, you have a checklist? We got a, you got a plan or what are you doing?
1: Yeah. That's an interesting question because I'm like naturally a very unstructured person. Mm-hmm. Like if you leave me to my own devices, I'll just kind of wander around and like do 80 different things during the day. Um, so I've, I've built in a lot of structure because I know that I need a certain amount to progress forward steadily. Yep. And so in terms of how I'm, how I'm creating that freedom. Yeah. Like for me, I noticed that time and location freedom are huge for me. Mm-hmm. So I've probably sacrificed a lot of money-making opportunities because I feel like it'll take away from my freedom. So like right now I get up, I, you know, I have a couple of clients, but for the most part, I am free to structure my day or my week and spend my time however I want. Right. And once I tasted that, I don't think I can ever give that up fully.
0: Yeah.
1: And so that kind of keeps me from Taking on things that I think are going to cut down on that freedom, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. Where you know, are you giving up too much to have yeah. this freedom? But you know, at the end of the day, if I have, if I can kind of be in control of my time, yep. You know, that's that's everything for me.
0: Well, that's in time is really the the one thing that is you know, you, you can't most create, finite you, resource, you, can't, yeah. you can't create more of it, mm-hmm. and so I, I think I, I'm glad you said exactly what you said because when we talk about freedom, right, every, you know, you said, I want time, I want freedom, location, money, blah, blah, blah. The the number one thing that most people think about is, well, oh, I got to make all this money, right? Like, that's the number one thing people think, well, I can't have Mm -hmm. any of that unless I have, and and I'm sure for some people, like a dollar amount went into their brain, like I have to make a million dollars, right, Mm -hmm. whatever that might be. So I think what Bradley said is so so key for um, defining freedom. It doesn't mean the same thing to everybody, Right. So for, in like what he said, it's like his time is more valuable to him at this stage of his life than the monetary gain of taking away from that time. Mm-hmm. So I always I always use the word wealth. And I think when, when I say the word wealth, people think, oh, rich, right? You, you want to be rich. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, maybe, but that's not what wealth means to me. Wealth to me means exactly what you're talking about. I think a wealthy person is someone who has, the the freedom like you talked about because you and i are exactly the same way in that if somebody said jay what is the what's your number one why do you do what you do and i just and it's always say the freedom of choice Mm -hmm. and the freedom of choice to me means you know like you said it's my time it's who i spend my time with it's where i'm at it's all of those things and so don't get caught up in this in this belief system gary v said something a long time ago and gary v is a little bit of a wildcat but he said something (laughs) he's like listen if you live in your parents basement and you play video games all day, and you make thirty thousand dollars a year working at Home Depot or wherever it is you work, and you love that life. You won, like you mm-hmm. you won you won the lottery. Like do you hit the jackpot? Like if that's the life you're living and it's the life you want to live, then game over. Like you don't need to do anything else. But right. if you're living that life and you dread it, mm-hmm. then it's time to make those different decisions. And it's not always predicated on money. It's not always predicated on time. For you, it could be something totally different than what it is for Bradley or what it is for me. So I just like to put that out there so that people don't try to define freedom in our language because it's not the same for you, it's not the same for Bradley, it's not the same for me. You define that what's important to you. Um, and you said this, and I, I circled this because I, I mean, you and I have a lot of alignments here. Like you said to me in our in our pre-call that your greatest fear was living an average life. Hmm. So hmm. let's define that now because that's an interesting <laughs> thing to say, right? Because Most people, right, and uh, not trying to be funny, most people fall into an average lifestyle either by, I don't even think it's by choice. I think a lot of, time. I'll pause there. It is by choice because everything we do is a choice, but it's almost like they just got there and they're like, well, shit, I don't know how to get out. Like, I don't know what to do differently so that my life isn't quote unquote average. So define Mm -hmm. what that means to, to you, fear of living an average life.
1: Yeah, I think it's, and it it ties into what the last part that you said, like people are like, how did I end up here? And I think the biggest part of that is people who define their life and set a course and set a path versus the people who kind of drift. And Tony Robbins uses the analogy. Like a lot of people are just kind of like, they're on this river and they're on a raft and they're just kind of floating and like seeing what happens. Maybe they crash into the rocks. Maybe they go off a waterfall, but they're just kind of along for the ride. Whereas you have these other people who, you know, they say, I'm going to control this, they take their paddle, They know, where they're going. It's kind of like, you, you could use this. Another metaphor is like driving somewhere. Like people don't just like get in a car and just drive and hope right. they land somewhere that they like, but they do that in life. They don't set a destination. They don't say, okay, here's where I want to go. And then chart a course to get there. And so if you don't define that, if you don't take control of that, you're going to end up somewhere within the realm of average by default, unless you are, you know, super lucky or whatever. But, uh, you know, society, like the example, the crabs in the bucket, people are going to pull you towards average. If you're not actively fighting against that towards something else. Yeah. And so, I mean, in terms of what I consider an average life for me would be someone who lives for the weekends, someone who gets by someone who doesn't really have a lot of that time freedom, uh, someone who's not really inspired or, or wakes up with a lot of juice, you know, all of those things that you kind of, if you picture that like stereotypical, like put on a suit and tie, drive to work, punch the clock, come home, do it over and over again and take two weeks vacation a year. That's kind of, you know, not, not to hate on anyone, but that's what I consider to be average. And that.
0: Yeah, let's pause. Yeah. I don't yeah. think, we're not saying someone who lives that lifestyle is a, is a bad person, is right. a dummy, is anything. It's mm-hmm. just a, it, it, let's, let's be honest here. Like this podcast is very real. You guys know I believe about disruption. It's a, it's a tr- very factual, true statement. So I mean, go ahead and finish that. But I think you're right. It's not to hate on anybody. But it's like, if you don't love that, if you're doing that and you don't love it, listen to exactly what Bradley's saying. Like it doesn't always have, to because most people will stay there, why?
1: Yeah. Most people stay there because it's comfortable.
0: Well, it's because they they feel like they're financially bound there. Yeah. Or they feel financially stuck because they're probably living paycheck to paycheck. They're Mm -hmm. probably, they probably don't have enough money to incur a a major life event. And they think to themselves, well, I can't do that because if I do, and then this happens, my family will suffer.
1: Yeah. And then- most likely somewhere along that that way, if they weren't really that happy with what they were doing, they probably bought the nicest house that they could at the top of their budget yeah. to feel good. They bought a nice car that they maybe could or couldn't afford. And now they have all these obligations, financial obligations that again, they kind of tie you to. So it's kind of like uh, a prison of your own design in some ways, financially.
0: And the truth and- is you're already suffering, mm-hmm. right? Your family's yeah. already suffering you've just got so comfortable with the suffrage that it's your new normal and you don't, you don't even realize that it's suffering anymore. And so, yeah. you know, what you're saying is, is magical. I love it. Cause I, I'll tell people all the time. Like for me, the average life is I consider myself to be unemployable. Meaning like I could Same. never, I could never sit at a desk and have, you know, Mr. Smith come in and be like, Jay, what are you going to do today? And then talk, walk me through your day. Like will walk you right out of my day is what I'm about to do. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And so I just think of in the same kind of like vein that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'm going to ask you a, a different version of the same question. Okay. Are you, what are you doing to avoid living that average life on a daily basis?
1: I think the biggest thing, and it comes back to what you were saying earlier, is I'm refusing to take the safe way out and go get the normal job. I'm, I would much rather kind of struggle along financially for a bit and then have that breakthrough and create and design the life that I want that non-average life then settle. And so it's, again, Ed talks about this. He says, you know, refusing to be bought, like, can your success or your freedom or your happiness be bought? And that for most people it can. Yeah. And for me, you know, maybe there is that point. Where could I be? I could be bought, but it's going to be a lot. Yeah, but I I haven't found it yet. (laughs) I haven't found it yet. If someone walked in and said, Hey, you know, you got to work this regular job, I'll give you half a million a year. Yeah, I'm probably going to take it. But, you know, at a certain point, uh, you know, it's how much do you want it?
0: Yeah. Right.
1: And most people, I think, I think most people haven't tasted the time freedom that you and I have. Yeah, and it's like once you taste that again, it's it's real hard to go back. It's like letting someone out of their cage and then tell them, oh no, you got to get back in.
0: It's, it's the sweetest juice you've ever drank. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable because, because let's be honest, you can create more money, mm-hmm. you can create more, you can create more items, you can do more things, but you cannot replace that time freedom. You said something I got to ask about it because you said I'm willing to I'm willing to suffer a little bit right now in so I can get to that breakthrough. I'm big on visualization and knowing what it looks like. Maybe not knowing how I'm gonna get the breakthrough, but but knowing what the breakthrough yeah is if that makes sense to you. like mm-hmm. do you visual can you see the breakthrough? Can you feel it or is it is there a thing that you can do you def, how do you define that?
1: That's interesting. I because I visualization is something I do all the time, but oh. I I'd struggle with it. I'm not like I don't know my mentality is just, some days I can kind of feel it and other days, not at all, you know, it kind of comes and goes, uh, it's one of those things I'm, I'm working on, but yeah. How do I define when I get to that point? I would say like right now, because again, I've, I've decided to kind of take this different path, you know, and I jumped into business with no savings or anything like that.
0: Yeah.
1: I kind of dug myself a bit of a hole of debt and, you know, stuff like that, that I'm working out of, but I think once I've made it, it's when I am, again, I still have that time freedom and I ha- also have the financial freedom to now, for me, the big thing that I'm working towards is being able to travel the world for like an extended period. Okay. So like a year or two after we get married. And
0: Do right you now visualize I, that?
1: Oh yeah, all the time. I visualize myself booking the flights and okay. leaving. I visualize myself paying off the final credit card balance. Love it. I visualize myself going to different countries. And then, you know, it doesn't always have to be close your eyes and visualize. You can, you know, right behind me, you can see You know, if you're watching the video, you can see on the wall, I got all these different countries, pictures of them. I look at that every day and, you know, I watch travel stuff, stuff that's like allowing me to, it's giving me that visual aid to help with the visualization. Um, And so for me, I think, you know, is that my 20 year goal? No, I have other visualizations for that. You know, my own big custom log cabin in the mountains and that sort of thing, but Uh, in the short term, it's that when I feel like I will have made it, it'll be when I can travel the world. I have a coaching business where I coach people remotely and, you know, don't have to work 80 hours a week to do so. And I'm still, again, I don't have to be super wealthy, but I'm comfortable with that and and Um, always building towards something else.
0: Yeah. I hope you've done this. If you haven't do this, go pick an airline, go to the website, Book the first class ticket. I mean, obviously don't hit don't hit enter on the, with the credit card just, uh-huh. just for now because you can't go, but make sure you're setting up in first class. Don't don't put yourself in coach <laughs> for that round-the-world trip. Like get up in first, <laughs> visualize yourself with the warm nuts. I don't, you know, and then the in the champagne, whatever it is, create that vision for yourself. It's like I, hmm. I did a whole training on this actually uniquely last yesterday in my um in my private group. And when I asked the team today, I'm like, did you visualize this morning? And one of the girls said i I visualize myself for my birthday staying at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas and having a big birthday bash and so I wrote back did you go to the website sim- you know simulate booking the room take a screenshot of the room you're going to stay in with the view book the reservation at the restaurant what are you going to get off of that menu like that's how deep I go with visualization mm. like I'm you know I can tell you what I'm going to have for an appetizer at the restaurant that I'm going to eat at for that birthday in October and I'm and you can't have it you get your own <laughs> I'm hungry. Like you uh-huh. know, what I mean? like, that's how deep I, I visualize that. So good. I, love, I love that you do that too, and I think that's so important for everybody listening. Don't just think about what you want. Like, create. And let me ask you this, because I'm I'm mm-hmm. big on emotion and energy. Whenever you think about that round the world trip, like, do, can you feel it? Like, is it? Do your do you physiologically like feel it energetically in your body? Uh,
1: you know, it, it actually it depends a lot on how I was feeling physically or energetically before. So I found if I wake up and I'm kind of still half asleep and I go and try and visualize, visualize, there's no juice in it. But if I, you know, Tony Robbins has you do all this crazy stuff. Like I have a rebounder, you know, a little trampoline downstairs. Yeah. I'll wake up, I'll jump up on that. I'll listen to a little music, you know, get myself a little hyped up. I did it this morning and I've been slacking on it lately. I'll admit, but I, I went and I did that this morning and then I did a guided visualization and got a lot more out of it. So getting your physiology yeah. up allows you to go, deeper mentally a lot of times. So Simpl- I found a big correlation with that.
0: Yeah. Simple way to uh, articulate that, that is energy creates energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And yes. so like if, if you have no energy or you have, you have a, a sleepy energy or a negative energy, and then you try to like, all of a sudden go like, boom, I'm I'm traveling the world. That's going to be challenging guys. Yeah. And so of course you're going to be like, well, I, I didn't see it. Right. Like, and, but if mm-hmm. you have, if you're pumped and you go into that, I mean, guess what? Like you can visualize the entire thing. Like, you can feel yourself taking off, you can feel yourself landing, you can do all those things, attach that emotion to it. Let's talk about before we I mean, I think we've been talking for like seven hours. This feels good. (laughs) I like I love good. I
1: go seven more. So
0: I love good conversations, man. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate your willingness just to be open. And I, I consider these like coffee chats, like you and I are just hanging out. I think about I think most people get they love this. They love the idea, right? The idea of of traveling the world sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Who's going to say no to that? The idea of having your own business sounds amazing. Who's going to say no to that? But immediately the, our average brains will create an obstacle or a Mm -hmm. roadblock or an adversity or a challenge or whatever it is that, that you want to call that. What do you do when those things pop up? Because I guarantee, I mean, right now you've got a little bit of debt Yep. you you don't have the coaching business that you want to have to allow you to travel the world to pay for the blah 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 you know what i mean like all those things so what do you do when those adversities and those challenges pop up in your brain like how are you how are you overcoming those
1: yeah it's uh there's no one simple answer to that it's a variety of things and um you know i, I was guilty i think recently of kind of thinking small again and kind of getting dragged towards that so it's something that like as much as you can hear me and Jay and all these other people talk about visualization and having these goals and thinking big and all this stuff, like it's a struggle. Like it's you're always, yeah, it's a huge challenge. Like you're always being pulled back to your old identity, which is a little bit smaller and, and your identity is the most powerful thing in the world. You will act in accordance with how you view yourself. Yep. Right. And so it's, it's, how do you change that? How do you, and it's, you know, I'd like to say there's a way to just like flip that.
0: Yeah, like completely. a magic, like a magic yeah. switch. There's not. But well, that's yeah. why I ask you the question because I think people think like they hear a, somebody successful talk and they're like, they're so lucky. Like mm. I guarantee the most successful person that you can think of right now, I don't know who that is, has those days where they're like, shit. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what to do. So so yeah. give me give me just give me some of your techniques. Because I, I think yeah. these are valuable. I, I,
1: I find the biggest thing is to just get moving. And that could be something small. Right. So a lot of times when we're kind of feeling mentally down, our, our body follows, we just want to sit on the couch, do nothing. And that's going to cause us to stay there where we don't want to be and scroll through our phones and continue just like dopamine hit our brains into oblivion. Right. Mm -hmm. And so getting up, like, so for me, the biggest thing that I've implemented into my life, that's made a huge difference over the last like year and a half is doing a daily walk. Like when I get up. And so, because if I don't and I go and I sit on the couch and I'm in this, because I don't, I don't usually, you know, until recently with the podcast and some of this other stuff for a while, I was kind of like, I didn't look forward to getting up and getting my day rolling. I was kind of like, Oh, I got to do all this stuff. I don't want to do and getting up and getting outside and walking, it naturally wakes you up a bit. It gets your body, your physiology, like we talk about, it gets that energy up. I throw in depending on like some days if my mind is going 800 miles an hour and I just need to shut it off, I'll just walk without any headphones or anything like that. And it's like, it, it does the same as kind of a walking meditation. It clears your mind and being outside in nature. You know, I could go on about that, but that's something Powerful. that most people don't get nearly enough of. Oh. And then, uh, you know, on other days I'll throw in an audio book or a podcast. A lot of times I'll do podcasts. That's when a great time. Right. Um, Or if I really just need to like jump up the energy, I'll throw it on some music, but I use that walk usually to get myself from like that kind of waking up state to where I need to be to go into my day. And so that's probably the biggest thing. And because I know like for me, if I don't walk, if I skip it, or if I have stuff scheduled in the morning and like a couple of days earlier this week, I missed it, which was very rare for me. I felt, I just felt off. I just felt like I couldn't get into my other stuff. I felt like my mind just wasn't in the right place. And then yesterday and today I started with that walk and it's a world of difference. So that's like, if I could give one thing that works really well for me, that would probably be it.
0: I'm going to piggyback on that two things. So you guys listening know. So in my office, you can't see it, but it's on the other side of my desk is my Peloton Mm. people. I, I don't even use it for fitness. I mean, it's fun. I like, I sweat my butt off, but sometimes if I'm at my desk too long, I will go over there for 15 minutes and just ride 15 minutes. And and then when I do that, my brain is clear. I can think again. So if I ever start feeling stale or foggy or like, oh, I don't want to make this call. I don't want to write this email. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this blog. I get on there for 15 minutes, guys, and it changes my physiology. So what Bradley said is like, I didn't do that a couple of days this week and my, I didn't have as productive of days. So that's going to happen to each and every one of us and each and every one of you. My suggestion to you and to Bradley would be this. I would get myself somebody in my life, not your significant other, because they live with you and they don't want to hear you, bitch, that every morning is going to text him and say, hey, bro, you walk, right? Because if you got somebody and you're like, oh, shit, (laughs) yeah, not yet. And then Larry's going to be like, get your ass outside. We all need that little bit of get your ass outside sometimes from somebody else. And the greatest thing we can do is like we talked about earlier, like, you know, yeah, you got to be strong by yourself. Nobody is strong enough by themselves. I don't care who, like I said, I'll go back to that most successful person. I'll I'll give an example. So if anybody knows who David Goggins is, he's always posting himself running and he's crazy and he's screaming and he's like, he's like the modern day Mr. T. (laughs) But I guarantee, I don't care what he some days he wakes up and he's like, I do not want to go on this run. Mm -hmm. And guess what, he's probably got somebody in his life that says, get your ass on that run. You know what I mean? And he's probably that for somebody else. So regardless of who you are, you need that little, that version of yourself. But I I agree with you, man, like changing your physiology. And I do want to touch on the nature thing for a second, because I don't Mm -hmm. think people even understand it. I've taught myself like that nature piece. Like, so I live in, I live in a little bit of the same environment that Bradley does. Like we're kind of surrounded by mountains. There's palm trees. It's 90 I mean, 97% of the time it's blue skies, beautiful sun, birds. I've taught myself to walk and like start to pay attention to that. Like mm-hmm. I can look at a cactus now and be like, that is freaking awesome. Like I can see like the little intricacies of like the, the pattern that it grows in. Like it's so freaky mm-hmm. and weird. 10 years ago, I would have walked right by that cactus, and be like, don't touch that, that'll hurt you. Now I want to get as close to it as I can because I'm fascinated by it. Nature, the sun, mountains, everything, guys, will transform everything in your brain. I mean, would you I think that's where you were gonna go, but I don't know.
1: A hundred percent. Yeah, that's spot on. I mean, I walk the same exact route every day and every time. I noticed something new because yeah. now I'm attuned to take in the environment and notice those little details. So yeah. I walk the same sidewalk. It's basically a straight shot down and back every day, yeah. but I'm watching. There's a lot of birds. I'll watch the birds like fly around, they're chirping, they're making different noises, they'll, they'll fight with each other. I'll yeah. snow, like I go by this pond that has fish. I'll, I'll notice different fish, same you thing. know, and like, so every, every day, you know, I noticed today, this one tree was blooming with like purple flowers that like, I'd never noticed before, right? Like. And it's not just about like, Oh, that's cool. Noticing stuff, but it's, it's the ability to be present is what it comes down to. Right. So it's, you know, we're never present. Most people are never present when you're in front of a desk or you're in social media and you're being pulled away to all these things. And you're thinking about the future, but when you're in nature and you're looking and you're looking at your surroundings, you can't be anywhere, but present really. And it takes a little while to get there. Like, you know, for a lot of times, for the first 10 minutes of my walk, my mind is still you know, wearing racing. And then by the end, it settles down a little bit. And then a bigger example of that was like, just this past week, I went on a camping trip with my dad. He flew in from across the country. We went on like a guy's trip. It was awesome. And we ended up, it wasn't planned, but we we took off. We didn't have a campsite booked and we were just like, we're going to go to this area and we're going to find one. So we did. And it happened to be the best thing ever. There was no service at the campsite. Perfect. And so we had to, I mean, you could get it if you drove five or 10 minutes, which we do like once a day, just kind of check our, check up on stuff. But, but by, by like the third day, you didn't even want to, yeah. you know, in the first night we slept, we were there four nights, four days, basically. And the first day and night couldn't sleep. It was also freezing. And my dad was snoring real loud in the tent, which didn't <laughs> help. But, <laughs> but, uh, but my mind was, just, I couldn't shut off. I was like, oh my gosh, like, how, how am I going to spend three more days out here? I got so much stuff to do back home. Second day, same thing. Didn't sleep well, got so much on my mind, but a little bit less in the first day. By days three and four, I had finally disconnected. I was able to be fully present, relax, and came back just like in a whole new headspace. And so I think people need that. Even when people go on vacation these days, they're going to like this, you know, you go to a resort or you go to a hotel and you're still fully connected and you feel back, you come back and like you, you maybe feel like you disconnected a little bit, but Most people go on vacation. They're still like, oh, I'm still checking my emails all the time.
0: You need a vacation from your vacation.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Something I love that. And so so I, I love to give, I'm a big analogy. The more you get to know me, Bradley, you'll know, like this guy's got an analogy for everything or like a story, (laughs) Love it. but I think the key to what Bradley said is like, and so not everybody can go on that four day trip out in the wilderness. We Mm -hmm. get that. We totally understand that. Not everybody. Oh, that's, there's a cat. Yes, you can. But you may not think you've got that time to get up on go on that morning walk before work and whatever. So here I'm gonna give you guys another suggestion. So every Friday, Lori, my significant other and I, we both take off the morning for work. Like we'll get up, we'll have our coffee, we'll do our normal emails and whatever. But about six o'clock, we both we go to this, we drive to this really cool place and we go for like an hour to hour and a half walk. It's the same walk every Friday, but there's a pond with ducks and there's trees and rabbits and everything. We do that every single Friday. We call it our date day and we schedule that in. It's non-negotiable, right? Like if you want to book, if you want to book a call with me from like six to nine on Friday, it's just not available. I don't care who you are. Tony Robbins could call and it's I'm not available. And I'm being dead serious about that. Like it's a non-negotiable for us because it does a couple of things. We get to connect with each other and it's that nature thing. Like, and we do the same walk like you said. But every time there's something new, every time there's a new, there's a, like, is that, what, is that even a duck? Like, I don't even know what kind of bird that is. And we'll sit and watch these birds on this weird little pond. Like, like goats complete. I mean, it's the craziest thing. You see like, this guy's so weird. They'll go completely <laughs> underwater. And I'm like, what's he doing? How is he going to stay there? Like I'm fascinated. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just, you said this, it's being present, but it's also learning how to see the beauty in like everything around us. Like we're yeah. so we're force fed negativity, we're force fed pain, we're force fed death and drama and destruction and you name it, we're force fed that. Like it's very challenging to find something that doesn't contain that. Mm -hmm. So if you can start to see the beautiful things outside of, you know, just in nature and in the world, you'll start to feel more beautiful for lack of a better term about your own internal world. Because right now a lot of us are very, Our internal worlds feel just messy and emotional and overwhelmed and chaotic. I could watch a bird for 10 minutes, man. I don't feel anything except for like, that is freaking awesome. Like it's (laughs) the coolest thing, right? Yeah. And just that 10 minutes makes me so freaking happy. And so if you can give yourself that, I promise you the the benefits exponential, way more than the physicality of the walk. Like that's good for you too. But mm-hmm. it's the mental, it's the mental nature of what you guys are gonna get out of that. Dude, this has been one of my this has been one of my favorite conversations that I've had on the podcast in a very long time. But I want to finish with like a really because I think what you're doing is awesome. I love your energy, I love your enthusiasm. You're 29 years old. I wish at 29 I would have I would I was where you are because I was I still doing it. I was still doing the corpo thing. I had the tie on, the company car, like. Getting up every day, like oh shit. So I, I'm proud of you for taking this leap. I'm proud of you for being brave enough to know that you're not where you want to be, but you're damn sure not going to give up until you get there. But I want what what's you've already kind of talked this a little bit a little bit about this, but I want you to talk about your big vision right now. And Mm -hmm. you've kind of talked about travel in the world, but that's not going to last forever. Like what's what's the impact? right? Because I think we're all here for, for something. So what's the impact that, that you want to start doing now, but that could grow into something that you can't even, you can't even remotely conceive? Because I think most people think I've got to be so successful before I can make an impact. And I think that's the biggest crock of shit on the planet. Mm. I think no matter where you are in life, you're already making an impact. You just don't know it. So what's, what's the impact that you want to you wanna put on the world right now?
1: Yeah. Well, first off, I just want to say, thank you for saying all that. That means a lot. And this has been a super fun conversation for me too. Uh, but yeah, in terms of that big vision, uh, I think it was last, and this is something that again, has come up as a theme in my podcast, people I've talked to. So I found that, I think it was a Tony Robbins event, again, a virtual one in this past year that I was at. And he talked about how your purpose is never about you. It's about other people. And I think I'd heard it before and obviously going to his events, I'm sure I did, but for some reason it it stuck in a hit at that point. I think this was maybe back in like September, October. And from then on, I was like, man, like, I think I've been trying to do all these things for myself to try and make myself money and give myself these things. And it wasn't, other people first. And that's why I've struggled in some ways. And so I realized that, you know, in terms of you look at people out there who are fulfilled, right. Or who are truly happy, who feel like they kind of found their purpose in life. It always has to do with something bigger than them or someone outside of themselves. And I know that sounds cliche. And that was something that, again, I'd heard a thousand times before I really internalized it and realized the truth of it, but everyone you look at, it's like what you're doing you got probably get so much more out of what you do for others than what you get out of it for yourself. Right. Exactly. Like money wise and stuff. So and
0: it, it's only cliche until you experience it. And mm-hmm. then I promise you, it's not cliche anymore. It's like, I just got cold chills when you said that. Cause that's, that's, it's an epiphanal thing that I want you guys to really listen to what Bradley's saying here.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, there's this concept like Ed talks about co- coming up with a word for the year. We're mm-hmm. like, that's your word that you go to that kind of shapes your decisions and what you're doing that year. And for the first like couple months this year, I couldn't figure out what it was. I was like stuck between like a half dozen different words. And then finally I went to UPW a virtual, like a month or so ago, uh, a couple months ago, and I realized that it's service was the word I was going to go with for the year. And so again, in the past, this wasn't anything that was really on my radar, but now that's my word for the year. And I realized that I started this podcast. Like, people are like, Oh, how are you going to monetize it? You know, how is it going to build your business? And I'm like, This is a passion project. This is like, I'm doing this just because I feel like I need to do it. And I have no real plans to monetize directly. Eventually, I'd like to have it support my coaching and stuff like that. Right. (laughs) But, you know, I'm not doing this to, get myself clients in my marketing business, or I'm not doing this to like run ads or anything like that. I'm doing this to like make an impact because I see people around me who need to hear some of this stuff. Yeah, And so I just started with that and the amount of momentum and feedback and success I've had in the short term of this podcast by having kind of that intention has dwarfed my business success that I had kind of with a different intention. Yeah. And so Having that impact is huge. And so my mentality has just been, and it's easy. I found myself getting kind of swept away from that, like checking, like, oh, how many downloads did I get? And you know, those kind of like vanity yeah. metrics and stuff like that. But I, I every time I I get off track, I know I need to come back to that service and impact and what I'm doing it for. And uh one of my episodes, uh Tony Watley came on, and Tony Watley is pretty well known in a lot of different circles and he talked about impact before income in his episode, and that kind of reinforced a lot too. So I think, again, I have the short term vision where I, which is similar to my long term vision, right? Yeah. But maybe not in scale. So I wanna do coaching. I wanna do, uh, you know, well, for the podcast, I'll continue to grow the podcast, but I'm also working on the website. I wanna launch the website that has a blog. So the blog can kind of complement the, the podcast. Some people like to read, some people like to listen. And you can kind of do different, uh, different content on each. Right. And then I also want to create that community that I've been talking about like that, you know, whether it's a Facebook group or something else and give people that space to work together. But, you know, long-term I have all, I want to write books. I definitely want to be an author. Uh, I want to, you know, public speaking is something that like, I'm not dying to do on like a big scale, but I know that like, if I, if I keep developing the, into the person that I want to become, that'll be a part of it. Yeah. And then, uh, having masterminds group coaching, individual coaching soon. I want to focus on health and relationship coaching for busy entrepreneurs, because a lot of times if you're working hard in your business and you're making money, it's really easy for that to kind of take over your life and the health and the relationships can slide really easily. So, um, and that's a big pain point for people. And and it couple areas where I feel like I've had uh, a lot of success at this point, not to, you know, sound like, Oh, I've got it all figured out, but where I know I can help people. Yeah. And so, you know, long-term I just see not most people and I have kind of other similar ideas in my head, but creating just like a continuing to grow that impact over time. And, you know, I'm 29 and I know there's a lot of people who are forties and fifties and they're doing the same thing. And they're like, man, I wish yeah. We had social media and we had the internet back then. Cause like, think about like where, you know, <laughs> Tony Robbins has been doing this for 40 years. If he had started in there was social media, then like, you know, he'd yeah. take over the world by now probably. But yeah. um, so just being thankful and blessed for the opportunities and trying to use them to, you know, continue to grow that impact over time.
0: I love it. And that's the word I wrote down. I was the only the only thing I was going to tell you to focus on is just, as long as you keep impact as you're, as your, your lighthouse, then mm-hmm. you can't lose, man. You're going to win in the end.
1: Yeah. And it's something I'm going to have to continue to work on. Cause that's yeah. not what it was in the past. So I'm constantly every day reminding myself, like yep. I write service at the top of my planner as a reminder. Cause I need it because <laughs> and, and back. Yeah.
0: yeah. Everything you're doing is going to evolve over time. And that's what everybody needs to understand is like who you are today, what you believe today doesn't have to believe what you even believe tomorrow. Like you're allowed mm-hmm. to evolve. You're allowed to grow. You're not only allowed to, you better or, right. or you're going to run into some problems.
1: hundred percent.
0: thank you, brother. This is like I said, it's been one of my favorite shows. I appreciate you. I know the audience is going to love it. And so I just want to say thanks again. Um, hang out for a couple of minutes. You and I are going to wrap after we get, we get out of here, but um, I just want to say, man, I really appreciate you and your authenticity and your, your vulnerability today it was awesome. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on a lot of great, uh, challenging questions and I had a great time as well.
0: Cool. All right, man. All right, guys. I appreciate you for listening. Love you. And we will see you again next week with another episode.